under your butt. I'm quite surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. on to your butts. You better, folks. Because we're about to take this show, this city, this whole surrounding river region, the state, the country, the world, into the waterfall of divine love. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me this Monday, as usual, Troy, how are you? Ooh, that's not my spirit name. That Troy's not your spirit name. No. What's your spirit name? Astral Troy. Astral Troy. Yeah. Well, you do like to visit the astral realm every once in a while. I remember our college days. Sure. Um, well, if we're using our spiritual names, I'll pomegranate. What happened to Joey Freeze? No, nah, that, that, you don't want to hear about that. Yeah, it's true. Vanilla Thriller doesn't play anymore either. Sauce is not at a... a it's not an astral. That's not an astral spiritual name. No, my, I like to call my name when I'm in thinking in the astral spiritual realm, Pomegranate Willis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you're Astral Troy. Yeah. Astral Troy and Pomegranate Willis here on the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I talk with my third eye. Yeah. I, I, that's the only way. I mean, you have to really feel your chi. My love. Your love, yeah, the 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 eternal, ever-burning light within you. Right. Folks, we've been converted. In this crazy world, well, just crazy world in general, but in especially the world of politics, we've found a new savior, a new champion, a new prophet in the wilderness, if you will. A lot of people are, are going to make fun of this person, this... Hierophant. Hierophant, yes who is a woman who really understands the feminine, the eternal feminine earth goddess, ready to take on that utterly phallic guy in the White House right now. I mean, really, what we're dealing with, folks, is an eternal struggle for the soul of this planet. And the world. And the world. They're different things. Yes, of course, we're talking about this woman. Who is going to harness the deep, divine love. More tonight about how we're going to beat Donald Trump. I have an idea about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not going to be beaten just by insider politics talk. He's not going to be beaten just by somebody who has plans. He's going to be beaten by somebody who has an idea what this man has done. Mm -hmm. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So, Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me, please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes, and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field, and sir, love will win. Thank you. Joey. Yeah. 
She looks like a, permers- a person familiar with harnesses. Yeah, harnessing love. Just harnesses in general, Joey. Oh, yeah. Some of those, like, uh, adult seesaws? Yeah. Dungeons yeah. are involved. But I, I just, I, I feel like I've seen the light. I, I was showing you some of Marianne Williamson's tweets. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, folks, I, I'm serious here. The best thing we could ever hope for in 2020 when it comes to politics and the presidential campaign is Marianne Williamson to be the Democratic candidate for president. By far. It would be the most entertaining race in human history. Really, the only more perfect foil for a person that is running against her outside of Trump would probably be John McAfee. (laughs) Right? Yes! (laughs) You know, two... Bat crazy people. Bat crap crazy, yes. <laughs> America 2020, let's crap the bed together. My goodness. But let's just give people a, a sneak peek here into the mind of Marianne Williamson. You know, b- before we do that, if, yeah. if Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> offers you a glowing review as a person, calling you a spiritual legend that would harness love for political purposes... I think there's no higher praise to be had. Well, here's the thing. This is why I'm just giggling like a schoolboy right now. Last week, when I first saw her, and I'm doing like four hours hosting every day. Greg isn't here. I don't know anything about this woman. And I'm like, what? Is this one of those Gwyneth Paltrow types sticking something up her? Hoo-ah! Yeah. Or Al Pacino? Can you say cuckoo? No. Oh. Well, but she did. Okay. But you know what I mean. And it turns out the first article I go to is Gwyneth Paltrow. Is Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, she is. That's where Marianne Williamson, she's a spiritual guru, self-help guru. Which, by the way, to allude to the great, late great George Carlin, if you're getting somebody else to help you, it's not self-help. Just literally speaking. Gotta love George Carlin. But she is a best-selling author. She does have a following. And so we should get into some of these tweets. This is one of my favorites, especially the subtext. I mean, like that closing argument you heard at the Democratic debate, Troy. I didn't know if she was going to harness love to beat Donald Trump or if they're going to like make out or something. Like it just there's something about the way she speaks, the way she talks that's like crazy, but also like. I'm entranced, in a way. Yeah, I keep speaking in that lilt. Marianne, Miss Williams. It's like that lady from the second season or the third season of True Blood. Mm, yes. Yes. Except not hot. Well, she's she'd be 60 soon. No, she, for her age, she looks pretty darn good. She looks great for her age, you're yeah. right. Like, I have to say. A little bit I like was... Red Skull. But. For sure. Yeah, it's a little gaunt. Yeah. Just a bit gaunt, but anyway. This one, this first one is my favorite. I could have used this advice a few years ago when I had my heart utterly broken. The way to get over someone having broken your heart is to visualize yourself pouring buckets of divine love all over them. Wow. My love cannot be confined to buckets, Joey. (laughs) No, I'm not a woman. So this next one doesn't relate to me on a very deep personal level. Right. But this next tweet, I mean, the 
the literature. Like, she just speaks in poetry. Of course. And as Hillary Clinton said, you campaign in poetry and you govern in prose. So I think she's going to be, Marianne Williamson is going to be an excellent campaigner. When a woman is pregnant, again, folks, we're reading tweets from Marianne Williamson, who, by the way, Republicans are donating to her campaign to make sure she is on the next debate stage. As the qualifier for the Democrats' debates, I think the next one's at the end of July, is how many discreet individual donors do you have? So is she a genius? Is she a genius? Yeah. Finally, someone who can reach across the aisle, Joey. Thank you. Thank you. That's what Joe Biden was claiming he could do, but I guess he was reaching across the aisle to some racist segregationists. He didn't want the Department of Education to, you know, tell the whole country, here's how you're going to bus your kids to school. So he must be some damn dirty racist, (laughs) at least according to Kamala Harris or Kamala or whatever the way you say your stupid name. Uh, But anyway, Marianne Williamson. This is a tweet from January 17th, 2018. So this is pretty recent. I don't think she's changed. Quote, when a woman is pregnant, she can feel a new life gestating within her. Now, before I continue, Troy, you said that when you were reading these tweets, often when she starts off whatever thing she's saying, it's like, yeah. Okay, I I hear you, Marianne. Yeah, where do we go from here? Right. And you and I would both agree, when a woman is pregnant, she can feel the new life gestating within her. Like the kicking and like the, you're you're extra hungry, you have weird cravings. Hormonal changes. Right. I mean, sure. The next line is, we are collectively pregnant now. You know what? How, How is one collectively pregnant? She's been listening to Funkadelic. Yes, she has. The very beginning of Maggot Brain. Mm -hmm. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. (laughs) I think she's she's been listening to Funkadelic. You're telling me that this woman's bringing the funk to politics? Uh, (laughs) Certainly the drug (laughs) aspect. Anyway, she goes on. We are collectively pregnant now. The consciousness of humanity, a womb, wherein... It's forming a new state of being. As with any pregnancy, there are uncomfortable moments. But the miracle of new life is on the way. (laughs) This is just so good. The goddess doesn't just dance under the moon on the night of a solstice, America. She fiercely protects the children of the earth, and so should we. What? What? Yeah. What? This person, literally, folks, has millions of followers. She sold a lot of books. She made her name, I think, working with Oprah. In fact, I've got a New Republic article here, Troy. The headline of which is, Take Marianne Williamson Seriously. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I'm good. But I kind of want to, you know, hear this person out. Like, why should we take her seriously? I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, I'm reading these tweets and I'm a bit perplexed. I feel like I'm high, actually. Like, I on an astral plane. Yeah. Anytime any of us move from fear to love, we participate in the morphic field mm. out of which we will emerge new possibilities for life on Earth. What? A morphic field, yes. I, yeah. I've, what? Well, I mean, there is something to, like, the idea of a headspace. Sure. And, like, if you're in a, a big, depressive, like, rut, and, like, you're in a place, I mean, you might be sitting on your couch, but, like, 
you're in a place and people can feel that energy from you. So maybe the morphic field is real. But what does that have to do with new life on Earth? I'm not sure. It's very Nietzschean. It, yeah. Like, she's going to be talking about the Ubermensch before we know it. <laughs> Toward the Superman. Downgoing. But anyway, this person, Alex Perrine, says, Take Marianne Williamson seriously. Laugh all you want, then remember who the president is. Oh, yeah. You know, Donald Trump said some crass crap. He said some outrageous things. But he's never gotten into pouring buckets of divine love on those who broke your heart. He called John Stewart a name, okay? He called Rosie O'Donnell a fat pig and a slob. It's a little different than talking about morphic fields and collective wombs. You know, I think the only way to compare the two would be to ask Donald Trump's opinion on the movie Avatar. Because Marianne <laughs> Williamson certainly makes her feelings known on that. Yeah, didn't she tweet something to the effect of, you want to know what's going on in America right now? Watch Avatar again. Now, you and I, we saw Avatar. Yeah. And when we came out of the movie theater, we were like, that's exactly how we treated the Native Americans. Yeah, that's what it is. But not... America today. No. And then she said, <laughs> she says, all the films were good, but Avatar has changed the world. Oh. He didn't win an Oscar tonight, but James Cameron deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Okay. For copying Fern Gully. Thank you. Now, if she is talking out of both sides of her mouth, both sarcastically and the fact that the Nobel Peace Prize has become a bit of a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with her. Yeah. And this is the thing. Are people going to ironically like her to the point where she actually starts to gain notoriety and power. I I don't know. But here, let's hear out this writer for the New Republic. Okay. The Democratic debate, this was last week, last night, wasn't actually America's introduction to Marianne Williamson. She has multiple New York Times best-selling books and was a regular fixture on the Oprah Winfrey show for many years. In 97, Mother Jones covered her fame and charisma and shift to a more political message in a prescient and slightly mocking profile. But many political junkies apparently had different viewing and reading habits in the 1990s and early 2000s. And for them, Williamson is mainly a figure of fascination and fun. Yeah, she is. Like, I think she's a figure of fascination and fun to the people who were reading her in the 90s and early 2000s. She's already the meme candidate for those too sophisticated for the Redditor's meme candidate, Andrew Yang. And the post-debate reaction to her performance last night has largely hewed to people in on the joke. I'm not joking. I think she should be their candidate. For the joke, but I'm also serious. Like, because this is how I... This is how seriously I take the presidential politics at this point. Sure. It's, it, she, her point that it's not about plans, she's right. It's about how you actually reach people and message people in a popularity contest. And sometimes plans will get people's attention, but not really. Like when Trump said the wall just got 10 feet taller. And when he just talked about the wall, the wall... I think a lot of people who were down with that were even like, yeah, it's going to be a wall and, and digital and surveillance and more border guards and the wall's a symbol. Yeah. Duh. Now it's going to be a very powerful fence. A very, very powerful fence. So he's already changed. Like, it's a, what Hillary Clinton said. You campaign in poetry and you govern in prose. She was right. Essentially, you 
play to people's ideals and their emotions and you try to inspire them on the campaign trail. And when you actually get to governing, you need those people who are bean counters who can write the pros and all the laws and or repeal the laws, whatever. I mean, there is a sad truth to all of this. That at the end of the day is a popularity contest to see who will be, like, the top primate in America for a few years. <sighs> but, this writer goes on. Yes, she has an inexplicable mid-Atlantic accent. Like, if Arrested Development's Lucille, too, cured her vertigo with meditation and crystals. Yes, she unaccountably put New Zealand on blast. Yeah, they asked all the candidates who would be your first call. I could just look it up. I mean, who would be your first call? Um, let's see. First call. And she brought up New Zealand. I mean, the, the question is an opportunity to say China. I would call President Xi of China. Because China is not only one of the most important rising powers in the world, they will be a global rival for a generation or two to come. And they'll have outsized weight in global politics and how the global system is shaped going forward. So I would see them as a rival, but I'd also want a good relationship with President Xi because he's president for life now. And essentially what Trump's doing, it's one, I mean, it's a sensible policy. Right. China is the way to go. Um, but Xi, well, let's listen in. Williamson, this is a question for you. you stage but we're going to talk about what to do about health care well where have you been guys because mm -hmm. if it's it's not just a matter of a plan and i haven't heard anybody on this stage who has talked about american foreign policy in latin america mm -hmm. and how we might have in the last few decades contributed to something big more the man on the see this is the thing she says stuff that's at times like oh yeah that makes sense could it be the drug war and, like, all sorts of policies upholding certain Latin American countries has led to this huge migrant crisis? Yeah. There's a reason people who have nothing and are being told your child is going to be in our gang, whether they like it or not, run away from those countries. Yeah. Literally the most violent places on earth. Yes, I am taking into account places like Afghanistan and Pakistan. Central America, Latin America, is one of the most violent, terrible places on earth to live. Certain countries. There are other countries that are great. But there's a reason people are doing what they're doing, trying to come into the United States. Um, Move. Because John Kennedy was back mm -hmm. in the day when politics no. included Inspiring the people, people and included imagination and included great dreams and included great plans. Ms. And Williams. I have Thank had you, a career Williams. not making the political plans, but I have had a career harnessing the inspiration and the motivation and the excitement of people, Thank masses you, Ms. of people, when we know that when we say we are going to turn from a dirty economy Thank to a you. clean economy, we're going to have a Green New Deal, we're going to create millions of jobs, we're going to do this within the next 12 years because I'm not interested in just winning the next election. We are Thank interested you, in our grandchildren. All right, we got to Okay, yeah, great. I love when people go back to the JFK put a man on a moon analogy. Like, we put a man on the moon, we can do anything. Yeah, it's amazing. When human beings had never done it before, it's amazing. But at the end of the day, it's like, how do we strap a human being into this rocket? With enough propulsion and the oxygen and all, all the basic necessities that you need to get them to go to the moon. Like, it's a pretty straightforward goal. Get the guy on the moon. 
Now, we're going to have to create new technology to do it, but it's one or two people backed by a bunch of other people with government funding. Let's put them on the moon. That's not as complicated as let's defeat the Nazis, which is pretty complicated. But at the end of the day, it's like, how do we kill enough of them and destroy enough of their stuff to where they stop killing us? Pretty straightforward goal. We want to destroy their stuff, too. But remember, eventually we want to get to the moon, so we're going to need their scientists. Yeah, Operation Paperclip, please. Yeah. yeah. Let's get that Von Braun fellow over here. they got some brilliant things going on. My point is, though, going to the moon or defeating the Nazis, they're as complicated as they need to be. It's not like two plus two equals four. Uh. But they're nowhere near as complex and complicated as goals and problems to solve as, hmm, how do you take an economy that is essentially reliant on fossil fuels at almost every level of production and consumer goods and transform it into a completely clean, renewable economy? I don't care if you have all the freaking money in the world and you tax the rich at 90% or 100%. Good luck with that. Yeah. It's very... It's ambitious. Yes. I think people underestimate how delicate, how complex an economy is. Sure. And when they want to try to fix things. And if you have straightforward goals, like Biden said we need more electric charging plants all over the country, all right. Where are you going to put those charging stations? Who's going to fund it? The government? Who's the private developer that gets the money off the government infrastructure? It's not too complicated. It's pretty straightforward. But it's a very complex problem. And I think the analogy, the inspiration of we put a man on the moon in 10 years by the end of the decade, as JFK said, uh, it's at best a metaphor. It's not the same thing as going completely renewable energy, clean economy. Yeah. Here's the here's the problem. We've had a half a century to plan and put into motion a transition, and we haven't done it because at every turn there's been some individual who seeks to profit off of the status quo being the same. Oh, yeah. Telling people who say, hey, I think we might have some problems here, that not only are they wrong, but they're crazy. Yeah. And then... One crazy guy finally gets enough chutzpah to produce a video about how, hey, this might be the wrong direction. And it's Al Gore, Joey. (laughs) And of course, being Al Gore, he overstates the issue. He makes it. And I think the biggest problem with climate change is it's become a political issue and a political symbol. It seems to me like people ran out of ideas to induce change. Yeah. Exactly. I think climate change, where, and I find the, the whole idea very plausible, like the theory on the face of it, and from what I've read, I'm like, all right, I'm not a climate sol- uh, scientist, I'm not a climatologist. Fine, these are the issues. I think some of the scientists, though, and this isn't just in the field of climate change, overstate problems. Social scientists have done this for years. And what I'm interested in is, okay, what are discrete steps you can take on a policy level and the economic level, bringing the price of things down in order to change for the better. Because in my opinion, you're not going to can change people's minds by having Al Gore-like videos or anything else or AOC imagining her Green New Deal. Yeah, she's, she's insane too, Joe. Yes. It's going to be done by, here's a product that's cheaper than what you're currently using And it has, by the way, all these wonderful, positive externalities for everybody else around you in your life. 
They're all there right now, currently, Joey. Yeah. So why aren't we using them? Well, they're not as cheap as fossil fuels. Sure. Or they're not as dense. They're, they're, they're cheaper over time. The problem is people yeah. want everything now. Right. But that's the big and issue. another problem it's is like, every time someone tries to create a policy, you got some guy from the fossil fuel industry being like, no! Well, yes, and I'm, I'm not for giving them Not to mention the people benefits. at the very top for, from time immemorial have had those fossil fuel guys right next to them oh, yeah. dictating their policy. Well, but the reason these guys have so much power is because it, there is a good case to be made. The reason they have so much power is that it is the most dense cost-effective form of energy we have for our current standard of living. Absolutely. And my argument is that come up with a better way of doing exactly what they're doing now. I think making the argument to folks that you need to let off on your your living standards, especially when some people are just now getting a taste of some prosperity. I'm not talking about the United States. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Other parts of the world. It's not going to fly. And even if you're talking about the United States, people aren't going to give up their stuff. No, and they shouldn't. Right. I'm saying we've had 50 years to fix this, and now we're going to have to write a paper overnight. Oh, yeah. Because people are selfish, Mm -hmm. and they refuse to change. And that's a shame. Yeah. God, that sounds so weird coming out of my mouth. You need to to pour some divine buckets of love all over yourself. I'm a lamp, Joey. (laughs) And God is the light, okay? That's another quote from Marianne Williamson, by the way. But if you were going to imagine a Democratic version of Donald Trump, what would it look like? Nancy Pelosi. One version of this thought experiment produces someone who resembles like Pelosi or Bernie Sanders, a quote-unquote extremist who riles up his base with promises and threatens to tear the entire system down. But that's only superficially Trump-like, claims this writer for the New Republic. We might say instead that a Democratic Trump would be a proper outsider with a great deal of TV experience, giving her both name recognition and some degree of respect among the base, despite the establishment not taking her seriously. She may have been initially a fairly apolitical figure, but she is canny enough to understand that entering politics means not promising to be above the fray, but acting determined to defeat the villain occupying the White House. She could dabble in fringe views. She may even have a history of dubious tweets the elites send around to scoff at. But and are we elites? No. Because I, I have a feeling there, there are a lot of you know everyday folks. I'm, I'm a little odd, but I'm happy to take the mantle of an everyday American. I think I think the everyman scoffs at her tweets. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the woo-woo that we're scoffing at. Yeah, it's it's the people that still watch the CW for their young adult <laughs> television shows because they are emotionally seventeen. Says the guy that used to watch One Tree Hill with me, bro. When I was emotionally seventeen, <laughs> right? When we were actually seventeen years old. Now yeah. I, I've I've watched politics for so long, Joey. I'm an emotionally sixty-four. Right. My heart hurts. I know. I feel the same way. My knees hurt. Like I'm. My heart knees hurt. 30 going on 55. Yep. 30 going on 65. That, yeah, I, I'm trying to shake this cynicism, though, and have some fun with this crap process. And Marianne Williamson is doing that for me. She's a breath of fresh air. She Joey. really is. It's like a piece of mint chewing gum. Yeah. For your soul. Right. 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 
I'm just I'm I'm having a little trouble now. There's I'm a just, song that came out in the '90s called "Novocaine for the Soul." I'm just so pregnant with love right now that. Oh my god! Or actually, I think that's just all the protein shakes I've had. Need to go to the restroom. Anyway, we'll be right back. Joey Clark. song isn't that great but it's kind of been my jam the last month or two yeah yeah it's just a nice driving song top down mm-hmm. it's pretty uh chill found from the uh the purple ones vault uh put out a few years ago we've been talking about marianne williamson and how she's sort of blowing america's mind with her buckets of divine love um i want to move to another thing that today is blowing all sorts of people's minds doesn't really blow my mind because I actually have seen this coming. Uh, but, you know, when people talk about, like, special interests controlling the nation in Washington, D.C., controlling our politics, the money in politics is buying power. I see if, you, John McCain. Yeah, well, fight with me. Fight with me, my friends. My spirit remains strong. Fight. Keep America strong. Fight with me, my friends. That's my John McCain. I... My Lindsey Graham's more up here, you know. I, I can go long, all day with Lindsey because when I put on this voice, it's like I become a whole other character. The funny thing is, is everybody in the South knows a guy that talks just like that. Oh thing. yeah, it's that. It's it's actually a fun accent. Yeah, um, but Lindsey has a little bit of that lil to go on. But Buddy Sanders is very, you know, uh, he just yells and screams and oh, 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 oh. too many choices. We have way too many choices in this country. That sort of thing. But my John McCain is just completely, fight with me, my friends. Fight with me. Fight, fight, fight. Keep America strong. Fight. Rest in peace, John. Why, why did you make him sound like a, a Redwall version of Palpatine? <laughs> fight with me, my friends. Because he used to say that when he ran in 08. Keep America strong. Fight with me. Fight. Fight. The Russians fight. China, Fight. Oh, my God. Special interest, Joey. Special interest. So, if we're in a right-wing echo chamber, who's the big boogeyman, like the special interest guy controlling things? I heard people running for the Supreme Court of Alabama bringing this guy's name up. Who is it, Joey? I think you know. 
George Soros. <sighs> Crisis actors, Joey. Yeah, exactly. They're in his checkbook. Right. Oh, yeah. He's he's just putting all the billions to work, man. Look it up. He's the man who broke the Bank of England. It's there. Yeah. He's been overthrowing governments all over the world with his color revolutions, you yeah. know? Actually, there's another guy that broke the Bank of England, and he's the owner of Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, really? He's the reason why the British Sterling doesn't really exist anymore. Him he's and not Zoros. not in the country, yet he owns a soccer team in London. Yeah, there, what people mean by that is there was a time people shorted, essentially, the British Sterling, and British yeah. Pound, and they won. <laughs> they knew they saw blood in the water and went for it. I think the biggest thing that's being shorted right now probably that is getting the most press is Tesla. Hmm. Tesla's getting shorted at every turn. Elon Musk is a brilliant man, but his company does have a problem. They've taken all these massive government loans plus private funding and made all these promises. And don't get me wrong, a lot of really cool stuff has come out of Tesla. I think we're just talking about climate change. Like, some of their vehicles are amazing. They need oh, to yeah, come sure. up with, like, how to make them more cost-effective. That's the big trick. How do you beat Ford and Chevy and all these other companies that... Will also start moving to electronic vehicles. That's their plan, they claim. But Soros is the big boogeyman. If you're talking to people on the right, who's the big special interest boogeyman? It's George Soros. I can I can just see Glenn Beck right now. Right, exactly. Being red in the face. I told you about this twelve years ago. Right. Well, I, and I got the chalkboard. Here's out. the thing. There's some grains of truth to it. George Soros is very active in politics. And yes, like a rich guy who's interested in world affairs, he uses his money and influence to try to make things how he wants them. Shocking. I know. <laughs> it's really bad when the billionaire does it. But when we, thousands and millions of Americans, donate to a candidate, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just... You know why? Because he gets more bang for his buck. Yes. I think the issue of money in politics again is overstated because people only show or only talk about one side of it yes people with money buy politicians people with money and companies lobbying for certain things write all sorts of rules and regulations to their benefit but i would listen to that and i agree that it's true if you also went to the other side of the ledger is the people with the power sitting on you know, heads of committees like the appropriations committee or homeland security or the intelligence or oversight committees if you don't believe those folks use their power to extort these companies, you're wrong. Because they do. Absolutely. All day, every day. It's a two-way street. Corruption in power is an inevitability that cannot be... Yeah. It, it's always going to happen. Water is wet and fire burns. Yeah, I mean, this is... We are the lamp. God is the light. <laughs> Isn't Marianne Williamson a dream? Like, for all this toxic masculinity out there with Trump at the White House, folks, if you took that seriously, please, my God. But Soros is the big boogeyman for people on the right. Yeah. And there's a grain of truth to that, because he is very active in trying to influence politics worldwide. The, if you're on the left, though, who's, like, the big donor? Cock? Cokes. Yeah. The Coctopus! Both of them, right? Yeah, the Koch brothers. Yeah. Um, so, from a publication that says up front, Reason, the Reason Foundation, Reason.com, they receive a grant from the Charles Koch Foundation. It's not the full of their budget, but they receive money. By the way, I've worked with people that have worked at places that receive money from the Kochs, and like they were actually administering the funds, like running the budgets. Not once did the Koch Foundation come to them and go, this is how you need to spend the money. They might 
talk to a high up like board member like if you do this again we won't give you money next year but they're not micro these Soros and the Cokes are not micromanaging all these grants they give out they won't need to because of the implication right or uh, actually, you I think it's... watch that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, yeah. by the way. But I think it's simpler than that. Everybody's always looking for the nefarious, cynical explanation. And it's and there if you look hard enough. It is. But also, George Soros gives money to certain groups because he believes in what they're doing. Yeah. The Cokes give money to certain groups because they agree with them. Like, come on, guys. And in a nebulous way, if you connect enough dots... What is that? There's a there's a principle that uh, talks about in politics how many steps you are away from bringing up Nazism. Oh right, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that when you try to look for connections. It's not long until something evil has occurred, even if mm-hmm. those connections are right loose at yeah. best. Yeah. Well, before I get into the reason I brought up the Koch brothers, the Cocktopus, and the evil George Soros. Yeah. I need to tell folks the show is brought to them by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. He was just here. He was just here helping Greg out. You got yep. to hear him in action, folks. I saw it live. Yeah, and as Greg was going down for a vacation, his first week-long vacation this year to go see his lovely daughter Janelle, and it went great, he got a call that his current tenant can't rent anymore. I'm done, Greg. Things have changed in life. So Greg's like, oh, what am I going to do with the place? He called Eddie Bader at 322-0662. And Eddie Bader, without having to trouble Greg on his vacation, started taking care of it. And they're getting the house on the market. They're setting things up. That's just one example. Uh, Eddie Bader not only is right there at 322-0662, he is sensitive to what's going on in people's lives. He will make it work for you, whatever's going on. So if you're looking to buy a home or sell a home, maybe you hit it big early in life, you want that nice lakeside property, or you're retired and you want that lakeside property. He does these boat tours where you don't have to go through all the winding roads up to the lake properties. You can just hop on one boat and go to several properties in one day. Or if you're looking to sell a place because that family's growing, you need a bigger place. Eddie Bader is connecting buyers and sellers all over the River Region. Great down-to-earth guy, hard-working guy, changed his own life with real estate, and let him change yours. Buying a house, selling a house, one of the biggest decisions in somebody's life. You need somebody like Eddie Bader, who's been around the block a few times on this issue. And again, who's down to earth and just fun. Easy to deal with. So give him a call. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. 322-0662. So the reason I bring up George Soros and the Koch brothers, they've teamed up. The behemoth the left and right, the Leviathan and the Goliath, have teamed up. What sort of nefarious plot is afoot? Thanos? No. 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 Dark side? No, no. Um, there's no Infinity Gauntlet involved here. Or what's, doesn't Dark Side have some like virus he infuses in people or whatever? Yes, it's, it's more like a, he enslaves them, but yeah. Right. No, 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 no. The Boston Globe reports today in a quote-unquote astonishing turn. Because these are just evil villains on different sides of the aisle. They should hate each other. (laughs) No, politics isn't that cartoon, folks. The organizations created by libertarian billionaire Charles Koch and progressive billionaire George Soros are helping to fund a new think tank. It's called the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. The new group is committed to promoting this just downright evil plan, folks. 
ideas that move the U.S. foreign policy away from endless war and towards vigorous diplomacy in the pursuit of international peace. What bastards! Unbelievable, Joey. The left and the right boogeyman are teaming up to end war? Our pets' heads are falling off. You're right, they are! We got no food, we got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! You're right! What is the world coming to? <laughs> I, I saw the story, I love it. Because it does confound like all the cartoonish write-ups on politics, all the conspiracy theory, which, again, if you can prove it, I'll listen to you, but most of the time, it's like, you didn't prove crap. All you've managed to do is draw a series of lines with right. <laughs> pinpoints on a, <laughs> on a needle board. So, from the write-up, this is what this new think tank, funded by the Kochs and by George Soros, is looking to do. These is that how you pronounce that, by the way? I've yeah. always... Okay. Koch. It looks like Koch. Right. Right. Like Dachshund. Yeah, but it's... Looks like Dodgson. I've been around enough libertarians. I've been to events where the Cokes gave money. Because, you know, they're libertarians. Uh, yeah, it's Coke. Okay. I, I don't... I would never want to work directly for the Coke Foundation. Because I'm not that activist type. I like having too much fun. Right. Opposed to, like, evangelizing the young sponges we call college students. But, you know, I hear this stuff... Again, it's like George Soros gave a million dollars to some group to fund the arts. Like, oh no. Is it going to be progressive arts to undermine our Judeo-Christian ethic, Joey? Like, well, I don't know. Like, maybe you can propagandize too. And this is what a free country does. There's a person that funds the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. Oh, I was started by the Blunt family, I know, but I'm not sure. Have they done anything nefarious other than <laughs> share great English literature? Yeah. <laughs> But here's what this organization is going to do. It will promote an approach to the world based on diplomacy and restraint rather than threats, sanctions, and bombing. Oh. It's a radical notion in Washington where every major think tank promotes some variant of either neocon militarism or liberal interventionism. Which both in the same way. We're bombing things and killing people. For, you know, great causes, guys. Either it's, you know, real politics, like, you know, just hardcore, hard-knot geopolitics, or we got to save those people. It ends up kind of having the same effect. It's funny how that works. Only apparently one group gets to go to bed at night feeling good about themselves for trying to do the right thing. Well, no, but the, the hardcore geopolitical types would say the same thing. It's like the world is... I mean, the world is nasty, brutish, and short. Most of humanity suffered through, and the people that have the power and are willing to use it in a judicious way are the ones that are save their civilization and their culture. I mean, that's... And the other side's more like, there's a genocide going on, and we must stop it by arming one side. Like, okay. <laughs> Good. Good for you guys. Let's bring balance to the force. But, I, you know, I like this idea, actually. But, of course, Bill Crystal who's been wrong so many times. He used to be on Fox all the time. And he right, became yeah, a never-Trumper. Yeah. and But he's just... He was in the Bush W circles. He said, 75 years of U.S.-led liberal international order based on a U.S. Ford presence and backed by U.S. might with regional and bilateral alliances and relatively free trade has enabled remarkable peace and prosperity. But let's go back to the 1920s and 30s. 
to which this author here at Reason said it's a sad, empty rejoinder to equate any change from the foreign policy status quo to isolationism, isolationism, excuse me, and appeasement, which it is. It's ridiculous. You suggest, hey, maybe we shouldn't, you know, throw sanctions on this particular country and threaten to bomb them. You're an isolationist. Like when I saw Donald Trump meeting Kim Jong Un, he's taking a very big risk. Yes. But it's better than a major war in the Korean Peninsula. So I'm happy that he's, you know, sticking his neck out there. A lot better than a major war where millions die. And God knows what Russia and China would do. I just watched the war game scenario of it. Not taking into account what China and Russia do. And it's really, really bad if there's war. Yeah, especially because... I mean, I'm sure the South Koreans have plans in place. They do. the event of such a thing. But their capital is right there. Yes. On the DMZ. And the South Koreans have admitted that they've stopped a few tunnels the North Koreans have dug under the DMZ. But they're pretty certain there are other tunnels they haven't been able to discover. One of the ideas is because North Korea doesn't have the ability to deliver one of their big nuclear bombs. They're kind of like, it's an old school, like, fat boy. That they would maybe send it in through a tunnel in a nondescript-looking commercial truck or van and set it off in South Korea. Not to mention all the artillery fire as the U.S. tries to take out every single one of their nuclear assets and command and control. I mean, it would be a huge naval air force bombardment of the place. But let's just say you're looking at hundreds of thousands, if not millions, dead. Conservatively, I would put it close to a million. And that's, of course, leaving out the idea of what China does. Yeah. So, you know, I'm all for Trump, you know, I don't care. You're appeasing dictators. I don't like what North Korea is doing, but what the F are we going to do? Like, just, uh, no. Let them just keep building the nuke. Let's not talk to them. Put more sanctions on, and let's go to war if we need to. That's not good enough, folks. So... Maybe Trump's weird Looney Tunes approach actually get things done. I I saw that handshake across the DMZ and was like, well, there's some hope at least. Like, yeah, I think people do underestimate. To Marianne Williamson's point, they underestimate ceremony. They underestimate sort of the formal engagement of building a rapport with somebody. Not if you're Catholic. <laughs> yeah, we're all about that. The sacramentals, Joey. But it's also not the first time talking about the this new coke soros alliance before you continue it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see who they hire for that think tank yes if they go the route of the santa fe institute where it's a bunch of different disciplines coming together for interdisciplinary thinking and analysis i think it could ultimately provide some fruit i'm intimately familiar with groups that the cokes have funded now that's exactly what they do like if they're bringing in policy experts it's people from all across the board different policy initiatives and whatnot um it, it is insightful like you can read about tech security and like at the cato institute they'll have a whole day on what to do with cybersecurity, and there will be some people who say we need to be more aggressive some people say no we need to back off like it's a pretty well-rounded discussion i'm not as familiar with progressive think tanks I'm just not but i imagine they have the pretty much the same approach if they want to be effective unless they're kind of a stovepipe organization that's just a propaganda arm, which those exist too. It's called education. Yes, <laughs> it's called education. <laughs> but it's amazing how people just miss things, like these big, again, the Goliath and the Leviathan of the right and left teaming up. Oh, my God. Well, after Charlottesville, the Koch brothers and Soros teamed together 
to fund communities overcoming extremism, the After Charlottesville Project. It seeks to help the private tech sector develop best practices on fighting against hate and extremism online. It's like those those bastards. And it just goes back to something. The cynic in me sees that and says that it would behoove them to be on top of policy as it's dictated to the tech companies so that they can then cater whatever it is their formula is for getting their message across to, I don't know, a couture version of what those policies will crack down on. Right. Oh, yeah. You got to stay ahead of the curve. No, and I think there's some truth to that. But, well, and it's also this idea. Imagine, folks, you came up with a, a successful multi-million dollar, billion dollar company. And you're like, I don't want to lobby. Lobbying's just corrupt. You're going to get your ass handed to you. That's true. Because the corruption also comes from the side of people with power and other people with money who don't like that you're being so successful. Mm-hmm. So it just, to a certain degree, you have to play the game once you reach that upper echelon. It's just how you play it. But what's going on here, and this is from uh, Matt Welch and Nick Gillespie. They wrote a book together. They said, Americans who secede from political tribes, yet remain fully or sporadically involved in politics, scare the bejesus out of politicians. Through peaceful resistance, ephemerally organized swarms, blatant disregard of immoral laws, and more, we can create a permanent non-governing minority, where blocks retain their potency by refusing to be co-opted, focusing on ways the government is conspiring to keep them less free. And I, I'm seeing this happen. The age of Trump is an age of, what the hell does it mean to be a Republican? I mean, it might be, I back Trump. But, you know, like the old school, like, Republican line is kind of there still. They still want, like, pro-life Supreme Court justices, sure. But, like, what it really means to be a conservative is up for grabs. In many ways. Same thing on the left. You watch these debates. It's really up for grabs on what these tribes are and what they mean. And then if you go into the online world, I mean, some folks think if you're not like the most woke left-wing social justice warrior, you're now on the right, which is not true. You could just be an old-school liberal. Yeah. Like, so I I think there's a lot of change and tumult coming in. Well, it's kind of like Marianne Williamson said, that we're all collectively pregnant. Like with any pregnancy, there will be complications and pains. But My God. Maybe she's on to something, man. She's on something, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for joining me, folks. Yes, uh, a lot of serious stuff going on, but got to be able to have fun with this crap. Got to be able to have fun. So thank you, Marianne Williamson. Shine on you, crazy diamond. <laughs> well said. Thank you for listening, folks. Open the door. It's all right.